Everything in the universe is quantifiable, and Chris O'Mealy is here to prove it by ranking whatever he feels like on this episode, along with a panel of esteemed guests. This is Chris Ranks the Universe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. As my good friend Jeff Trellowitz said in the introduction here, everything is quantifiable. And today, we're going to do something that's been on my agenda for a while. TV shows ranked by season, with every single episode getting the Chris Ranks treatment. We are going to kick this off with my all-time favorite television show, The Simpsons. And for those of you who have been following my podcast for a while, you're already well aware of my devotion to The Simpsons. In fact, I do a Simpsons podcast where... Me and a co-host review every single episode ever. And to join me for Chris Ranks the Universe, I have two co-hosts sitting by. The first, of course, is my co-host from the Stupid Sexy Podcast. You've also heard him on the Nerd Table, VIP Wrestle Talk for patrons, and now the Pokecast. You can also catch him on twitch.tv slash CKCC online. He is Dan Peck. Um, yes, and on the Stupid Sexy Podcast, it feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all! Of course. We gotta get the catchphrase in, too. It's gonna be weird when we get to that episode, which is gonna be way down the line. Also joining us, I'd like to welcome to Chris Ranks the Universe, one of our loyal and devoted patrons. You may remember him as being part of our weekly Among Us streams as the Mighty Mancubus. Please welcome Brian Leon. Hello, everyone. Should I should I do the voice? That might be a copyright thing since I didn't make up the voice. So I probably <laughs> uh, well, if you haven't gotten hit with a copyright strike on the live streams, I don't think you're going to get one on here. But hello, everyone. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. Of course, we got it. We we got to get the voice at least once. So, of course, the listeners are already very familiar with Dan by this point. But Brian, please tell us a little bit about yourself and. How you became a Simpsons fan? Well, I'm 32, and I like long walks on the beach, and I like s'mores, and... No, I'm kidding. Do you have uh, beaches been... where you live? We do, actually. They yeah, got like hella go... lakes, so... <laughs> if you go up to Lake Superior, like, it's so goddamn big, it's basically the ocean, so... Yeah, you can't even see across it, right? And there are actually people surfing on it, like, when it's colder than you would think would be capable for surfing. Well, as long as the waves are there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I've been watching Simpsons pretty much ever since I was a kid, and a lot of, like, I just went through and rewatched this first season just to refresh my memory, and it's amazing how many, like, God, these shows are almost 30 years old now, and the quotes still refresh themselves in my head, and I can still remember it as soon as I see it again. That's kind of like what we're going through when we're doing the the podcast on reviewing all the episodes, just because you you watch it again, you're like, oh yeah, that's, I remember that moment, I remember that moment. Like, Dan and I were talking about how much we love the joke where Homer goes for the Neapolitan ice cream, and mm-hmm. there's no chocolate in either one. <laughs> and then we got Cars to that episode. Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> then we got to that episode where it Eat actually happened. Chocolate. No! Uh, that's the... It, I really think that's the... Uh, we actually are next... Part. Uh, our, not the next episode coming out, but the next episode that we're recording... As one of our all-time favorites. Indeed, it does. But 
what de- I'm not sure when people are going to be listening to this, so they might they might be offline too. As with our we record, schedule. yes, with our schedule. Well, we'll go ahead and tell people today as we record this. It is June the fifth of twenty twenty one. I don't know when you're listening to this, but so what we're going to do for the uh, we've we've already done the TV rankings with the Mandalorian, but I want to touch on other TV shows that I was a really really big fan of. Simpsons is always going to be on that hit list because I've seen the show so many times that I can pretty much quote the entire series from heart, at least for like the first 10 seasons, which is terrifying if I actually think about how much knowledge is up there. Like, if I removed my Simpsons knowledge, what else could I actually solve like the space-time continuum problems? Is that how much of my brain is dedicated to the Simpsons? I don't know. Do you guys have continuity up there? Oh, God. Yeah, I do. Do you guys have, like, that one show or movie that you've seen so many times that you'd actually be afraid to know how many times you've seen it? Because this um, is this is definitely mine. Simpsons might be up there for me as well, as, uh, along with Futurama. Like, how normal people's brains work is they have practical knowledge, like how to fix stuff or how to work on cars. My brain goes, here's a Simpsons quote from 35 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, my brain does the same thing. That's why we're here right now having this conversation, though. What about you, Dan? I'm just... I tend to remember almost everything I see. Oh, I got... It would be kind of scary to know, like... Maybe if I didn't know all this random pop culture stuff, maybe I would be useful to society. (laughs) I, I get, I'm just going to go ahead and tell myself that that's the case, and that'll make me feel better about my useless knowledge that's tripping around up here. Hey, you're using the useless knowledge to create content and entertain people, so it's not useless. Oh, there you go. I like the way you think. This is why you're on the show. Not just because you're a patron and you ask politely. but <laughs> Also, no, Chris, no. I, I've known Brian for 13 years. Well, damn. God. Way back in the old Xbox Live days, that's right. Yep. Which, X- which Xbox user were you? Uh, Curb Stomp. Kirby for the You win. were Curb Stomp. Okay, yes. Yep, that was Okay, me. okay. See, yeah. That, that's what's funny is we've... A lot of us know each other because we play video games together online. And Dan has been one of my best friends for the latter part of 10 years now. And I've literally met him two times in my entire life in mm-hmm. person. So I started way back on the Smart Wrestling Fan Podcast, and I would write emails in, and I would put the little Kirby emote. And then Wiggly would be like, what the hell is that? What are all these lines and squiggles? And then Joe was like, oh, that's Kirby, and that just became my nickname. Uh, shout out to Wiggly. I have not talked to him in a while, but he's a good guy. So I mean, He doesn't live too far from me. He just rolled to his house. <laughs> I don't actually know where he lives. So Does he still live in a chicken coop? No, no. He lives in actually a very nice big big place. Uh, I believe it lives in Easton. Oh! It's not too far from you. I pass through that regularly when I go to New Jersey to see family. Yeah. I pass right through Easton. Okay. Wiggly, if you are listening to this, I don't know how much you still follow what, <laughs> what we've been doing, but if you are listening to this, uh, shoot me a message, man. Let's get a drink or something. I don't know if you drink. Well, you, you have to drink something. Even if it's a glass of water, I will join you for that. Like, for real. Drink some sort of liquid. Bar. You you must consume some form of liquid to live, so we'll just go with that. 
So, The Simpsons' first season began December 17th, 1989, and wrapped up on May 13th, 1990. There were 13 episodes for the very first season, and really quickly, I'll run through them so we can discuss them a little more in depth when we get to it, but just so you guys understand the episodes. The official pilot was Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, which was a Christmas special. We talk about this on the podcast, but it got moved up because of production errors with their planned pilot. And by the time the show was going to release, it was already Christmas time, so they just moved up the special. Next episode is Bart the Genius, where Bart switches tests with Martin and ends up in a gifted school as a result. Episode three is Homer's Odyssey. Homer actually loses his job at the power plant and then ends up getting rehired as safety inspector when he goes on a safety crusade after a suicide attempt. Fun for the whole family. There's No Disgrace Like Home, the debut of Dr. Marvin Monroe. That, of course, is a family bonding episode. Talk about that in depth when we get to it. Bart the General, the debut of Nelson Muntz, and a kind of a fun war-themed episode. Moaning Lisa, our first Lisa-heavy episode to really establish her character and set her apart from the rest of the family. Uh, The Call of the Simpsons, the Simpsons' first adventure outside of their house. The Telltale Head, that's the one where Bart cuts the head off the statue. Everybody knows about that one. Life on the Fast Lane, the bowling instructor goes after Marge. Homer's Night Out, Homer dances with a belly dancer and Bart takes a picture of it and it goes... Early early 1990 viral is the way is pretty much how that happens. Uh, the Crepes of Wrath is Bart getting going on the student exchange program, ends up in France, and ends up doing slave labor. Krusty gets busted. Krusty holds up the Quickie Mart and goes to jail for it, but it turns out it was actually Sideshow Bob that did it. And Some Enchanted Evening, which is the intended pilot, and that's when the kids get... A babysitter who turns out to be a criminal. So that's sort of a recap here. Um, Now, you guys know, as we're listening to this, that this is all about my order and not theirs. So when I mention an episode that you guys are just like, you son of a bitch, that is the wrong place to put that. Remember, I get the hate mail, not these gentlemen. Unless they reveal... That their least favorite episode is your is your favorite. In which case, nah, you can still send me the hate mail. I don't care. I'm I'm probably not even going to show it to them. If it's... you want to punch me in the face, just go ahead and email me at punchmeintheface at punch.face. <laughs> Punch.face. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. So, first things first, before I start the countdown, I'd like to give a, a full viewpoint on season one. Season one is a difficult rewatch because of how much the show has evolved between characters, animation, plot lines, etc. With that said, there are no episodes in season one that I truly hate. There are episodes that I will, I'll see them on and I'll be like, I don't feel like watching this. And then at the top of the list are episodes I genuinely enjoy and seek out to rewatch. So even my least favorite episode isn't necessarily a hated episode what do you guys think overall season one brian i'll start with you like you said it's kind of in a weird spot because it's so early on a lot of the characters true personalities haven't really developed yet like homer in particular he's a lot more 
aggressive and kind of like the angry father figure, whereas later on he assumes more of like the dopey, bumbling oaf type of character. And it's kind of that weird halfway point where they're not quite the the early shorts where it's like frosty chocolate milkshakes, but they're not as defined as they are later on. Let's all go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. I love when they bring that joke back too in later mm-hmm. episodes when they reference older Homer because that or was like you get the family at the the psychiatrist that's like almost a carbon copy of them and that's what the dad says. Yep, that's, I did giggle at that too. Uh, Dan, what about you? Your overall thoughts on season one? Yeah, also the same. There's also like, characters aren't fully fleshed out. There's uh, characters that you usually see in like groups of two, and the voices are switched. They realize at a later date to, to switch the voices. Oh, yeah. Lenny and Carl and Lou and Eddie have their voices switched. And there's also people who were black or aren't black yet. <laughs> Lou and Smithers. Yep. They, they they do the uh, one of the Michael Jacksons and the other one reverse Michael Jacksons. Inconsistent. I got with a Lago. It's so funny, but yeah, so yeah, um, and that's just it. When a lot of my ranking has to do, especially the first episode we're going to talk about, has to do with just the difficulty of the visual atmosphere, but. I also don't necessarily fall that hard on first seasons of TV shows because yeah, they I mean, are finding the, themselves. Thing of, it's a thing about first seasons of any show, but most especially animated shows. Yeah. You're finding the character, you're finding the look you're looking for and stuff like that. So. Actually, one of the best animated shows that I think really nailed it was probably Futurama. Because there's not that much change that happens later on, not even with the voices. I mean, you can hear it a bit with Bender where he's a, a bit more deeper. Yeah. When he first starts out in the first few episodes before he gets the personality really down, but But like Family Guy, same same situation. I mean, Family Guy had a different character, different different actors. Yeah. In a few of the spots. Lacey Chabert was the voice of Meg before Mila Kunis took over. Um South Park's a perfect example. It was started as just, you know, an excuse to do gross jokes with cardboard cutout kids. But as they started to flesh out characters more, specifically uh, Stan's dad, Randy Marsh, my favorite fictional character of all time. Sorry, Homer. And, uh, yeah, I, I love Homer Simpson and Harley, Harley Quinn, but they are second and third <laughs> on my list. Randy Marsh is number one, and I, I will tell everybody that. Because, yeah, that guy is amazing. But, yeah, between him and Butters... When they flesh those characters out, South Park really took off. But all the shows that I'm a really big fan of change their characters early on. The Office, Parks and Rec, The Big Bang Theory. They all did it. The characters slowly evolved. And Parks and Rec had to almost completely change the show altogether. Yeah. Because it started out as, we're just going to do a different version of The Office. And then... They're like, nope, traditional sitcom season two, and let's get rid of a couple characters, and then by the end of the season, let's add two of the best characters in television history. Yep, Ben Wyatt and Chris Traeger. As soon as those characters came in, the show took off. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's how it is. That's how TV shows work. So there's no... I, I will save this for... Because season two has episodes I actually do hate. When we get to season two and we do that ranking, I will talk about those again. Uh, and then, like, season three and season four are 
such masterpiece seasons that the worst episode is still an episode that I like. But The Simpsons will eventually get to that point where are, there are some downright hated episodes. Yes, they do come later, but there are a couple in some of the early seasons that when I do see them, I'm like, ugh, you, you do the groan. This one doesn't really have it, but the, the episode we are going to talk about first is one that I personally just don't enjoy watching in general. Um, and actually, if I let me bring up my list here, I want to just see one, two, three. There are four episodes. The first four episodes we're going to talk about are episodes I genuinely don't enjoy, but I'm not going to say I hate them. So we'll keep it. We'll keep it on that that spectrum. So, are you guys ready to do this? Shall we do the countdown? Let us begin. Uh, well, thank you, Mancubus. I I appreciate that. At number 13. Ah, uh, thank you, Dan. Is Dan going to be the number tracker? Yeah, Dan's going to be the number tracker. So and that's more fingers than I have, so I don't know if I can count that. <laughs> hey, you're going to be screwed when we start doing 24-episode seasons. You can't oh, even use all your toes. No, you can't. You're going to run out of fingers, toes, and even an a, extra appendage. Well, son of a bitch, now what do I do? Or you just cut, show up with a severed hand and be like, look, I'll use this one. Start counting my nose hairs instead. So at number 13, this is going to be a controversial choice. Every time I've ever mentioned this being my least favorite season one episode, somebody has had an issue with it. And maybe you guys will. And that is fine. This is what we're here for. My least favorite episode is, in fact, the 13th episode, Some Enchanted Evening. Now, why has this always ended up at the bottom of my list for season one? Uh, number one, this is the ugliest episode animation-wide of the entire series. Yeah, it is rough. It's a very rough episode. Number two, I don't find pleasure in watching the kids in mortal danger like this. And they really were in danger. Bar so at least they turn that shit around, maybe they do. There's a good redemption angle, which is what saves it from being a hated episode. Although Homer kind of screws that up too, but that's just classic. Uh, Homer. I mean, the babysitter even threatens to kill them at one point. So yeah, she does. Yes. Now, of course, I will say positive things about this. I absolutely love the voice acting in it. Penny Marshall, Marshall as Miss Botts, yeah, as Miss Botts, yes, was perfect. They even got June Foray, the original granny from Looney Tunes, to be the receptionist at the. Uh, was it the Rubber the, Baby? The rubber Buggy Bumper Baby Babysitting thank Service you. or something. Thank you. Yes, it's it's <laughs> a tongue rubber twister. Baby, rubber Baby Buggy Bumpers. That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> ah, yay. By the way, uh, I love that they brought June Foray back to voice Magic of Dispel and DuckTales Remastered. They got her and Alan Young to come back and play those roles, so good on them. So yeah, Some Enchanted Evening does fall at the bottom of the list. And really, that's the main reason why is it is just a rough episode to watch. I know it had the animation problems, which is why it got pushed back to the end. Maybe I would have a different viewpoint of it if it was the actual pilot of the show. But the one scene that always gets me is that opening scene where they're eating breakfast. Somebody pointed this out. I believe it was Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, when he talked about the first season of The Simpsons. And ever since he pointed out, I can't unsee it. But it's basically how dead-eyed the characters are in that scene. 
they're eating, but they're like literally staring up at the ceiling. It's just, it's a rough episode to watch for an animated TV show. But like I said, I'm not faulting the series for that. And there's not even like any definition to what they're eating. Like if I remember right, they're just like eating bowls of white slop. Like sure. can't even tell what yeah. it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's gruel, crusty brand imitation gruel. Nine out of ten orphans can't tell the difference. That's something he would market. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he actually did. Good old Camp Krusty. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, like you said, it's just, it's rough in just about every way. Visually, it's a little too dark. Yeah, it's... In, the, in its content. It's... I mean, not quite as dark as Homer trying to kill himself by tying a boulder and jumping into a river. But... No. And literally two old people making fun of him. Oh, don't or... worry. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, where, where would you guys place this on your list? Would I mean, it be... it's definitely in the bottom section. Okay. I so... don't know if it's last or not. But... Okay. Well, maybe... What do you, maybe... Think, you think, Brian? Yeah, I have a hard time ranking these as far as like quality goes because to me it's a lot of it's based on nostalgia because this is one I feel like I probably got sure. a lot of viewing as far as reruns when I was sure. a kid. I so that. I remember this one a lot more than some of the other ones. Yeah, and I really like it, but your no, I... criticisms are totally valid as far as the animation <laughs> quality and everything else. Right, but I get what you're saying. It, it is a nostalgia thing. It, we do look back fondly on it. And, you know, at the time when you only had the, the five or six seasons to choose from, it probably stood out as a lot more, a lot crappier. And you're just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I just watched Two Shot Mr. Burns. I can't go back and watch Some Enchanted Evening now. This is horrible. But now that the show has been on for 32 seasons, and they've started recycling so many storylines and bringing on guest stars just for the sake of guest stars, and writing episodes around the guest star instead of finding a guest star for that episode, I think, yeah, I think it's fair that where this... uh where some of the, that nostalgia comes from. And I think that's why I don't actually hate the episode. I just find it to be difficult. And now, even in this one, like, there's a lot of quotes that are still stick in my mind. Bart, get the door! Right away, Mambo Man. Right away, like, Mambo Man! <laughs> yeah. Ba 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 And, this... like, the first... It's also the first episode that shows the continuity of Homer's uh, facial hair. He shaves was, it and it yes! just immediately grows back. That was hysterical. Smooth as a baby's behind. And then just pops up. One thing I do like... It even makes a pop noise, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part. Uh, one thing I do really like about this episode, as far as jokes go, is when Marge is like, Homer, there's a problem at home. We have to go. He goes, well, I guess my work here is done. <laughs> That's funny. I also oh, yeah, because they're getting ready for sex and he falls asleep anyway, because that's what he does. It was after the sex. That's why. Yeah. That, uh, that's the other part that uh, always cracked me up too was is there a reward if she's convicted we get a t-shirt cool gotta you gotta love that the kids were in mortal danger and all they got i, I almost died from the babysitter bandit and all i got was this lousy t-shirt mm-hmm. so there you go all right let's talk about the next episode on the list number 12 i have decided to put the call of the simpsons in this spot now, this episode, I have heard two things about it. It's either everyone's bottom pick for season one, or it's in that top tier. I don't hear middle ground for this one. 
And the reason I leave it at the bottom is because even though it's a fun adventure, it's a little too cartoon zany for what was actually supposed to be a primetime television show geared about the American family. Some of it gets a little too ridiculous. A little and, too Looney Tunes and a lot less down to earth than what the rest of the series yes, is Yes, exactly. Again, I don't hate this episode, but when I watch it, like, these have to be the... This, all this episode does is bury Springfield as being the stupidest city ever when a guy shows up covered in mud and they think it's a half-ape man. And when and they're you have doing... scientists on TV arguing whether or not he's human. Yes. And it's... even when they clean him up, they still are inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> this is either a below average man or a brilliant beast. But but Marge even turns that into a compliment. Come here, my brilliant beast. Well, that was sweet. It's too bad it's too bad they spend the first season challenging their relationship just to have all those amazing episodes in season 2 and season 3 come about. You see the Right there's how they met how they got married uh, when Bart was born and then Lisa's first word like ugh, those are some of the best episodes of the whole series Why we have to multiple oh, multiple uh, challenges to their marriage multiple We've... times where Homer's on the verge of divorce so oh, oh that was one other thing about the last episode Marge's snarl is really funny but is that's not the ugliest animation I've ever friggin seen mm-hmm. <laughs> so Marge, I love you, baby. Oh, no. I know. Yes. Uh, so, what about you guys? What do you think of this episode as a whole, Brian? I would tend to agree with you. This is one that's towards the bottom of my list, too. Just, I mean, you made a good point about being a, it being a bit more ridiculous. It didn't have as many funny, like, quotes and one-liners. It was more of an adventure story, and it wasn't the most entertaining. But, however, I give them credit for taking the family on an adventure. Mm -hmm. I do like that. Because we're going to get a lot more of them, and they had to start somewhere. So, yep. uh, Dan, how about you? Oh, yeah, like I, it, like I agree. It's it's fun, but it's not great. Although, it does start. It does show us the dynamic at the beginning between Flanders and Homer. Yes, Flanders shows that's true. Up in the big fancy RV, and they're like, well, if Flanders can do that, we're going to Bob's RVs. <laughs> and then there's the whole, they can't, the only thing they can afford is like a third hand piece of crap. Ramshackle thing that's falling apart. Hey, Flanders, how do you afford this? You only make $17 a week more than me. I was looking through your mail. Yeah. <laughs> and he says credit cards, even though later on they establish that he doesn't even use insurance because he feels like it's a form of gambling. So that's a bit of a weird continuity thing. Well, that's also that's a season one thing. We haven't even established Flanders as being a religious nut yet. He's just a, the goody two-shoes neighbor. Mm -hmm. He's the nice right now. Flanders is just the nice guy neighbor who's got stuff a little bit better than Homer, and Homer's jealous. Yep. Even even when he pulls up with the RV, you jealous? Ooh, that thing's a beaut there, Simpson. <laughs> He's jealous. <laughs> he literally just complimented your piece of crap RV that's smoking. It literally has like a tree branch stuck <laughs> in, it, in, the, in the engine block. <laughs> Uh, but it's durable enough to just drive through a river and be fine, so... Yeah, well, that's... It's because that shit was made in the 70s. <laughs> yup. <laughs> made to last. Um, the the one thing I do... I do always 
think was kind of funny, despite the cartoonish nature, was Maggie getting adopted by the bears. Especially because she she calms the one bear down with the pacifier, and then it literally doesn't let it go at all. Mm-hmm. And that's she a, becomes like they take care of her and are sad to see her go. She's like part. She's part of the den. Yeah. And of course, I do appreciate how Homer brags so much about stuff, and then he does kind of get screwed as a result. Meanwhile, Marge and Lisa are just comfortable because, you know, they're they're more intelligent and not idiots (laughs) they're capable yes and they're not braggarts so i do appreciate that my favorite thing about this episode of course is albert brooks not his best role in season one or even his best role in the simpsons by far but it was fun having him for the episode his uh ad-lib dialogue was so much that like like his sales pitch they said he had an entire episode's worth of dialogue they could have done an entire episode just on bob the rv salesman that, he was a great character and just how like fast talking he was and how a how well he was able to maneuver Homer into that sale. Is that like siren good? Mr. Simpson, have you ever known a siren to be good? Yeah. I, I love it. He's he's the smooth talking salesman. Cowboy Bob. So I have a bit of trivia about this episode, or actually about Cowboy Bob, that did not exist when we recorded our review of this episode in Stupid Sexy Podcast. There is a mobile game, and you can also play it on your browser, called Akinator. It's a genie who guesses characters. Yep. And they have awards for how long it's been since somebody last guessed the character. And the highest tier of award is black. It's like standard, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and then black. And I had him guess Cowboy Bob from this season. And I won my first ever black award because it had been 14 months since somebody last played that character. And if it had been that long, it means that Stupid Sexy Podcast didn't even exist yet. So that makes me happy. I've won two Akinator Black Awards, and that was one of them. I also won several Gold Awards, having him guess random Animal Crossing characters, and also Waldo's dog. <laughs> I just, I was, I was having him guess Waldo, and then I was like, you know what? Let's have fun, see if you can figure out who the dog is, and then I won a Gold Award from that. So there you go. You gotta try to have him guess the character in his first guess, and if he gets it right, then you win the award if you haven't had him guess before. So, Cowboy Bob, thank you for that lovely award. It's about all I can say about Homer's Odyssey. Or, not Homer's Odyssey. That's the... Well, spoiler for the next episode. Ah, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Alright, next episode, Dan. Number Now... The next two episodes we're going to talk about could be interchanged on the list. They're pro- they're pretty much tied with their position here, but we'll talk about Homer's Odyssey first because this episode came first. The main reason this episode is near the bottom is because it is dark. And it's the third freaking episode. You're telling me that by episode three, the legitimate episode three too, if you look at the production codes... This was going to be the third episode either way. They were going to do an angle where Homer not only tries to kill himself, but the family no-sells it either. Homer, how could you even think about killing yourself? And again, really ugly animation on Marge on that scene. This episode also has a really bad issue with the audio not matching the video. If anybody else noticed that. So between the dark tones and the ugly animation... I can't put this episode any higher. Would anybody else like to jump in here? 
is crazy. But it does turn around at the halfway point, though. Yes, it <laughs> does. He starts doing the safety signs. Then things get lighter and a little more fun. But yes, and then we also can't put have to put over the shitty old couple living down the street. Oh my it god! Says, oh, there goes that Simpsons boy. Gonna go kill himself. <laughs> Maybe he's just taking his boulder out for a walk. <laughs> uh, yeah. But of course, there's a boulder there already. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, my my whole thing with this episode, of course, the blacksmithers is hysterical. I'm actually glad they changed that because that would have been terrible Especially to make with him... what they were going to do, the dynamic was going to be, then it would be too much slavery allegory. Happening. Yeah. Um, this episode really establishes Sherry and Terry as being bitches. Yep. And if I listed my... If I did a top ten least favorite Simpsons characters list, they would probably be on that list. Maybe not in the the top half, but they would almost certainly make the top 10 cut. Has there ever been a redemption to Sherry and Terry at any point? I was just going to say, I think they're pretty much 100% awful every time you see them. Yeah. Like, the only other episodes that I can think about that involve Sherry and Terry in any type of capacity is, like, the episode where Homer's the football coach, um, or the episode where they get marooned on the island. But that's like a whole a whole collection of kids. Like even Lewis gets scenes in that. So the one where Bart sells his soul, I remember them having somewhat of a role in that too. Yeah. They're always now granted there are times when their their dialogue is funny for the for the scene, but they're never redeeming characters here. So that actually makes me feel really bad for Bart too. That his dad got fired in front of him by Sherry and Terry's dad, which is just, that's just a terrible circumstance there. The other thing, it kind of sucks that Homer only screwed up because Bart distracted him. It's not like he intentionally did something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, boy! Oh, hey, boy! And he wanted to look busy to impress his son. So... <laughs> What's your excuse, Simpson? It's my first day. Remember when he joins the Navy and he uses that as his excuse? <laughs> and what's the best way to get peace? With a knife. I like your attitude, Simpson. <laughs> we all want peace. But it's always just out of reach. I know. Yeah. This is the introduction to Duff Beer. It's the first prank call to Moe's Tavern. But, yeah, overall... When I go when I see this episode come on, I'm like, God, I don't want to watch this. Although sign ahead, enough already, Homer Simpson does make me laugh. Once we get to the lighter side of things, it is pretty cool. And this is how Sector 7G happens. So some positives here, but overall, again, a low one. Moving on. Number ten. Again, slightly interchangeable with Homer's Odyssey, but I'm going to put it a little above it because it is a lighter topic, and that's Homer's Night Out. This isn't death. This is divorce, which is still a 
more positive topic overall if you really want to break that down. Although they don't really tease divorce in this. This is more or less just Marge is unhappy and thinks that Homer set a really bad example for his son. This is an example of Bart's practical jokes getting a little out of control. Although it's not really a practical joke. He has a spy camera. He took advantage of it. And of the course, female carrier. <laughs> yeah, the female carrier. Where's my spy camera? Where's my spy camera? Where's my spy camera? Where's my spy camera? Here's your spy camera! Thanks, man. Slams door. <laughs> now, we, we did mention this at the beginning of the episode. This was supposed to come out before Life on the Fast Lane. And I'm wondering if the episode would have actually had more impact without already seeing what Marge had was capable yeah, of if, doing. If Homer outright fucked it. And he fucks up in both of them. But in one, it's just all Homer being a fuck-up, and the other one is... This one Homer is less directly up. his fault. Yes. In, in the other one, it's Homer fucks up, and then Marge almost cheats on him because he fucked up. Right. So, and that's just it. Homer was, wasn't doing anything with the dancer that other than doing what every guy does at a bachelor party. By the way, I absolutely love... The, uh, the bachelor party, the guy who it's for is so uncomfortable with what's happening, but all the co-workers are going nuts. That always, that always cracked me up. I, so the I family is eating at the same restaurant, and he comes upon the party, and he takes the picture. And that's it. The and then the entire town now has a Xerox copy of that picture, because he's like, just let Millhouse have a picture of it. And then next thing he knows, everybody has the picture. Well, it spreads and, It spreads around the school kids, and then the one kid's dad confiscates it, and then he starts spreading it around. Mm-hmm. And there's the part where, like, this random kid that we don't even know, not even a named kid, sees Homer, and he starts doing the... Yeah. <laughs> right back at you, buddy. Oh, you look familiar, sir. Are you on the television? <laughs> And Apu doesn't even know Homer yet. That's how early. Mm. That's how early this episode is. They haven't even become friends yet. He's not even his best customer. Not yet. So yeah, yeah. that makes me feel kind of bad for Homer because, like, like you said, he was just dancing with her. It'd be one thing if she get he, there was a picture taken of him like getting a lap dance. That would be a bit more worthy of Marge getting so pissed off, right? But. And at the same time, I can understand where Marge is coming from. And he also lied. He he tried to tell her, oh, no, it's just going to be a small thing. And turns out it was this massive thing with strippers. Oh, yeah. so. And then, of course, the pilot episode of Family Guy, Peter goes to a stag party and drinks too much and lies about it. And, he's... and he ruined a perfectly good game of football! <laughs> so anyway, but, but, but with the ending where she makes him take Bart to meet her and she's working at like this big Vegas-esque show oh, yeah. and he ends up on the raised platform and everything it goes it goes crazy but I do but then like he makes this big heartfelt speech and gets everybody to reevaluate their views and, right. yeah, and call their, their mother and <laughs> call their mothers and show pictures of their daughters and... I love you Smithers the feeling is more than mutual sir <laughs> Yeah, I I actually really like Homer. That's my favorite part of the episode is Homer's speech because it's a true speech. 
And he doesn't do it because he sees Marge. He does it because he sees Bart and he wants to make his point. Set an example. Because he looks like a real fiend during all that. I love when he's trying to do the rocket kick with them and he's screwing up and going the wrong direction. He can't even, like, get his legs (laughs) above his knees. Well, I mean, neither can I, but, you know. So, I understand that part. But, yeah, to wrap up the the episodes of the season one that I generally don't like to go back and rewatch, you can easily see why that is. It's just one of those things, right, where you're just like, eh, it's it's good, I appreciate the message behind it, but it didn't need to happen this early on. I think this type of an episode would have been better suited for a later season where we've already established Homer and Marge's marriage and how much they care for each other, and then seen how upset she gets over it. Especially since the episode before, or as they wanted to, the episode after, yes. is essentially the same idea, just a slightly different angle. Exactly. Well, let's talk about it with our next episode. Oh, well, number nine. <laughs> Life on the Fast Lane. Now, I rank this above Homer's Night Out because this episode is a little more daring. It's refreshing to see the woman in the position instead of the man, because the whole stereotype is like, oh, you know, the... The men in these shows are slobs and they could do anything, but now, but at the same time, Marge never really gets that, gets that into it. She's kind of swooned by the guy paying attention to her. But when she, she actually realizes what's up. When she actually figures it out, that's when the moment comes through. And we have a really good officer and a gentleman moment at the end. So I put this one above those other four episodes Mostly because this one's actually funnier than the other episodes. Again, we have Albert Brooks as Jacques, and I think he hits a home run with it. He's a sleazy character you're supposed to hate, but he entertains you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And for that reason alone, I think this episode is a lot better. Um, It's a classic sitcom trope of the husband realizing that it's a birthday or something and he ends up getting her a present that actually he wants. And this Marge goes, no, I'm going to use it for myself. You're not getting it this time. (laughs) Oh, Homer's my ball's name. Please, Marge, pick up Homer. And I love that he takes the, uh, he takes it a step further with the French accent and everything and really, really makes the character come off as sleazy, but also suave and debonair. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, he's actively moving in on a married woman. But he's also not, like, outright holding her down either. He's actually trying to swoon her, and he's not just moving in to try to take advantage because he can. Exactly. Of course, this episode does feature the introduction of my least favorite character on The Simpsons ever, Helen Lovejoy. (laughs) Ugh... Oh, when she just sees her at the diner. You remember me. I'm the gossipy wife of the minister. Oh, right away. I was just over there having breakfast, and I saw, well, isn't that Marge Simpson having breakfast with a man who is not her husband? (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? That's a bullshit line, too, anyway. Like, I have female friends that I hang out with. That is just, that just makes you a rude and bad person, which is exactly what Helen Lovejoy is. Mm. So yeah, my preacher's wife was awesome. 
she was a deadhead. She actually followed the Grateful Dead on tour in the 70s. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, I think the comedy of the episode helps it stand out and makes it for... Infidelity episodes are just not fun in general. Especially when you... so fucking early, we don't even have their... Their dynamic down yet, and they're just two back-to-back episodes of them almost getting divorced. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's, I right. agree that it would have been better, better served, like, interspersed with more positive Homer and Marge relationship episodes. Well, maybe this is just the writing team they had back then. They didn't have the... They couldn't come up with anything super clever yet, but... But it works for what it is, and like I said... It's not the, the most fun episode, but I'd rather watch this than Homer's Night Out. At least this one's got some funny stuff in it. And I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a sucker for bowling-themed stuff, too, because I was bowling was one of my favorite hobbies. I have a lot of positive memories going bowling with uh, friends in high school, and then that's how we stayed in touch when we were out of high school. Uh, my old friend Adam, who sadly has passed away since then, like... You know, that was a good memory I had with him, hanging out with him. So, like, yeah. I think I think bowling stuff is pretty fun, too. I also I love that this bowling alley is so archaic that they have the scoreboard as the thing, the camera on your scorecard sitting on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the, the <laughs> transparency thing going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I always got a kick out of that. That and uh, four onion rings! He just randomly screams onion rings, which apparently was an improv line, so. He dips onion rings in ketchup. Ugh. I've done that before. But there's so much better stuff you can dip your onion rings in. Onion rings and honey mustard. Eat them straight up. Onion rings and honey mustard or ranch are pretty, pretty ballin'. Sweet potato fries and chipotle mayo. I guess it's going to make me hungry. All right, so the remaining eight episodes are episodes that I can go back, rewatch, and enjoy. So before we move on with the episodes we've covered, are there any other comments you guys would like to to put in there? Any of these episodes too low on the list? Would you put them higher? Like I've already said, I would have put, um, oh, the second one that you did, Homer's Odyssey, I would have put that one a little bit higher. Just based on, or uh, just based on nostalgia, but right. Okay, that's fair. What about you, Dan? Not really anything to do with quality. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at an episode that I don't particularly enjoy that much, but it might be your next episode. So, <laughs> okay. Well, we, we shall see. There is there is a controversial episode that I put a little bit higher, and it's going to sound like a contradiction when I talk about why I like it, especially considering why I haven't liked other episodes. But I will explain my reasoning behind it. So, for our next episode... That's number eight. Now, this is probably the most famous episode to come out of season one, just because of what it is. And that is the Telltale Head. But I put it a little lower on my list, because I do think overall it's overrated. It's a famous episode, but I don't think the hype behind it is as necessary as it could be. Other than Bart chopping the head off the statue, what else would you actually remember from this episode if you hadn't actually watched it? Not a whole lot, honestly. It's one where I had kind of vague memories, but it 
no real lines that jump out at me, nothing that I could quote off the top of my head. Right. Just that the, the idea of the episode is Homer is like, you got to do whatever you can to be popular. And he's like, okay, well, you went too far this time. Yeah. I got this idea that being popular was the most important thing. Where would you get a horrible idea like that? Oh, uh, Marge, lay off the boy. <laughs> he learned his lesson. I love it. Well, important to this episode is it's the debut of Krusty, Sideshow Bob, Apu, and Reverend Lovejoy. It's a hell of a lot of There's debuts. Pretty actually. much the entire town is involved in this episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because they do. They have a freaking lynch mob over it. And that's another thing. Okay, so he did. He did a prank and everything. But a lynch mob, really, for a ten-year-old kid? That's well. Then again, they also try to murder. A bit them extreme. In, they also try to murder them in the Simpsons movie. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. In the Simpsons movie, I, I don't condone, but I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because that's that's a doom thing there. It also kind of made me think when I was rewatching it. Okay, so when the kids are throwing rocks at the statue, it's making a pinging sound like it's made of metal, most likely bronze or brass. How is he able to cut through a solid bronze statue with a hacksaw? It's a hell of a hacksaw. Well, it dinged like it was empty on the inside. Yeah, I would say I would say it's the hollowness. It probably didn't have that much to cut through, but still, that's going to be a hell of a job there. It was there all night. And that's a lot of noise that he's making. There's, n- I understand it's the town center, but there had to have been somebody who heard that. Metal on metal sawing all night. Yeah, yeah, but it's like in the middle of like where people work, so they're not. It's not where people live. True. I guess none of those none of those buildings have nighttime security either. That's good to know. Well, right. it's that kind of town, right? Everything shuts down at seven or nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Except for the bar, maybe. So I do, other than the head being chopped off, I really don't see this as a very memorable episode. But again, the reason it's, so the re, that's why it's low on my list, but the reason it's higher than the other episodes is because I do think this episode has a very positive message behind it about how you shouldn't do whatever it takes to be popular. And let's be honest, Bart's a prankster, but he realizes the error of his ways immediately. It's not like... It's not like he was sitting there giggling with the head and then realized it was upsetting people and, ter- and changed his mind. He was upset about it the second he did it. And I think yeah, that's... So he's like, oh, what did I do? Yeah. That speaks a lot about Bart's character, honestly. He's a trickster, but he's not straight up malevolent like the other like bully characters. That's actually what I love about that uh, crossover episode with Family Guy is like, yeah, Bart makes prank phone calls and he carries a slingshot. Stewie's a straight up ma- sadomasochist. Like, Stewie, hey, Mo, your sister's getting raped. Was that a prank call? Like, no, Stewie, that was not a prank call. Jesus Christ. So, yes, uh, a legendary episode, but only based on that one moment. I can't rank it any higher. Thoughts before we move on? There's a couple funny lines in it. I also noticed that uh, Sideshow Bob lost an awful lot of weight between his first appearance (laughs) and the next time you see him. He got one of them new fashion stomach staples. And the line when they're talking about Jebediah Springfield. uh, Modern historians believe that the bear might have probably more than likely killed him instead. (laughs) Actually, it turns out that the bear was already tame. He merely shot it. So... There we go. 
Plus, I, I do appreciate references to the Telltale Heart. That's a legendary poem. I love that poem. Yeah. It's such an easy story. It's such an easy horror story to write. I love stuff like that. All right, let's move on to our next episode. Number seven. This is going to be about where the halfway point is. So we'll talk about the second episode, Bart the Genius. Oh, wow. Okay. You ex- uh, Did you expect this to be higher? Uh, this is yes, one of my but, top episodes. So Okay. But what I'm, what I'm thinking of is there's a, the episode I thought of as being bottom tier, and it has not come up on your list yet. Uh, and I know which episode that's going to be. I I already know because it's it's controversial where it is on my list, and that's fine. So yes, uh, it's kind of tough for me to tell you guys why I would put this one in the number seven spot. But the honest answer is that the next six episodes, I just think that they're better. But okay. I do like I do like this episode. It is the official. It's the true pilot, really, if you think about it. Because it it was supposed to be the second episode, and if you get rid of the Christmas special, it's the first regular episode. I mean, hell, the the couch gag on it is a super simple one, too. Because I know Some Enchanted Evening doesn't have a couch gag, they just jump on the couch, but this one, there's... I don't remember the specific couch gag, but it's, like, a very basic one. Mm-hmm. So, they were this was always planned to be... In the uh, it's uh, the family gets on the couch. Bart jumps up in the air and lands right in front of the TV. Right as it oh which is yeah, which I think is the only time that they've used that couch gag too. So, so uh, I guess it's easier to talk about what I like about this episode than dislike because we are getting into that top tier now. Um, I like that Bart's actions have consequences without necessarily being detrimental. Because, again, with the statue, that was a lynch mob. With this, it's just he's in over his head. So he learns a lesson, but at the same time, he doesn't actually hurt anybody. Now, he could have killed everybody with that chemistry explosion. Except, and maybe Martin. <laughs> and maybe Martin. Do you know about the deleted scene? They're going to have a scene where Martin was sent to a school for the mentally challenged, and they decided to cut it. And I'm actually kind of glad they did, because that may not have aged very well. I was just thinking they should have had a scene with Martin Martin in like a remedial class, but that might, yeah. That may have been a there. little too much. I mean, they they do a funny remedial joke when they do You Only Move Twice and Bart's in the remedial class in the new town without being overly offensive. But this I'm was from a, Canada and they think I'm slow, eh? Eh? <laughs> but yeah, for this early on, I'm glad they didn't they didn't take it that direction here. Um, what other paradoxes are in our lives? Well, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. <laughs> I guess that's a paradox. What I always found interesting about this school is they're like, we have no rules here. Do whatever you want. And then it's like, all right, kids, sit down. We're going to do our lesson now. Well, that didn't last long. Time oh, for comic rules. books. How did this get in there? <laughs> Time for another one. R-D-R-R. We made I made Bart a special breakfast. I, no, these crusty flakes got to be doing something, right? So, I think 
I think the reason why it doesn't it falls down a little bit harder is just because what even the, it's a good character centric episode, but it's lacking in the laughs department. So I like it for its character development, but I also don't like it because there aren't that many really positive jokes in here. Other than, of course, the Quijibo, which is brilliant. Making up his own, makes up his own Scrabble word and then calls his father it as soon as he reacts. Uh-oh, Quijibo on the loose. <laughs> K-W-Y-J-I-B-O. I also love that Homer's got all the letters to make oxidize and he can't figure out how to... He's like, all these letters are crap. Could so, have just put ox and that would have been a decent score right there. So I, ta- I talked about this. You guys like this one more than I do. So let's talk about your positives on it. Brian, go ahead. I have two specific reasons why I put this one a bit higher and why I like it so much. One is the ending scene where he's all covered in green paint. He reveals himself to Homer that he lied and Homer's chasing him around trying to strangle oh, him. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And it kind of sets up the common theme throughout the rest of the series of Homer strangling Bart. This one just I, takes it to the next level. I think Bart's stupid again, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and it also establishes that the writing team behind the show is v- pretty well educated and can make, you know, a funny show that kids will enjoy. But also the more you watch it and the older you get, adults will start to pick up on it, too. Because like I'm sure when I saw this episode when I was a kid, a lot of the stuff that they were talking about in the the smart school were probably went over my head. But now as an adult, I'm like, hey, I actually understand everything that they're talking about. And that's pretty darn clever. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Okay, what about you, Dan? You like this one better. I just felt like it was more fun. It's a fun ride. A fun time. Well, that is fair. Yeah, like you said, it showed consequences, but it wasn't anything like he's getting a lynch mob chased after him. It's just like, uh-oh, this went further than I expected. Right. Exactly. So, we'll move on to our next episode. This is number six. And maybe you could convince me to move this one behind Bart the Genius with that argument here. But this is the one I'm going to guess is lower tier on your list, and that is The Crepes of Wrath. Nope. Really? Okay. Well, that does surprise me. This one, I've actually heard people loathe this episode. That's why it's always been controversial that I've put it higher than than planned. Really? This is one of my favorite ones. Mine too. Okay. Well, then well, I won't be arguing with you two. I thought I could have sworn this was going to be the one you went for. Nope. You know what? I figured out which one, which one it is. Because uh, based on what's left, I'm like, yeah, that's what you guys are going to go for. But that's that's fine too. All right. I have different reasons. Anyway, let's focus on Chateau Maison. So what I really like about this episode, well, actually, let me quickly talk about why I hear people don't like this episode. So you guys can kind of, we can all be on the same page with that. People don't like seeing Bart in this much, in this much of a problem, considering that he really didn't deserve that type of punishment for what he did. But at this point in the season, we've already established that Bart's actions have consequences. So I don't see that as much of a viable excuse to rate it that low. We've all, the lynch mob was pretty bad, right? And like, and yeah, Bart the genius, he's in over his head and everything. Again, he pulls a prank. He faces a consequence for it. And yeah, it's a rough situation for him. But he also comes out on top and stops a bunch of dangerous criminals in the process. 
So I think for that alone, I put it higher. But if I'm being honest here, the reason this episode is high on my list is for the B-plot. And that's Homer almost causing an international incident with his Albanian exchange student. A deal, I got those blueprints you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's such a little shutter bug. He's letting him take pictures in the nuclear power plant. Uh, Homer's a dum-dum, but damn. I mean, those pictures really don't even show anything. They just show, like, isotopes and the thing saying top secret. Like, what would you really get from that? <laughs> I guess, but... I mean, clear, clearly something's working. I don't know. I'm, I'm as, not... As if at this point they don't already have nuclear capability. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not up on my Albanian history, so I can't really answer that. Crap, Albania. I was actually trying to look up, like, what the relations were between the U.S. and Albania when this came out. Like, were we at a tense diplomatic state? Uh, if at I time? remember my trivia for this episode. They actually had somebody on the writing team or somebody with Albanian heritage and who decided to go for it. Who encouraged the who encouraged that to be the exchange student. So Or maybe it's like let's just pick kind of an innocuous out of the way country that people just kinda of overlook and make them Yeah. The big scary top secret thing. Maybe. Instead of like because if this came out in 1990, then we were definitely tense with the Middle East in general. So you don't want to go for Iraq or Iran or any of those nations. Or I think at More the time, unique than having it be somebody from the Soviet Union or something. So. Right. And I, I think at the time we were pretty positive with Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and all those nations too. So like it, it may not have just made sense that way. But um, I always appreciated that the debut of Mrs. Skinner hadn't established her character yet. And she's like a really sweet old lady who's just embarrassing her son. And after they turn her into the hard headed character, she is, they, the writers jokingly claim that Bart's cherry bomb prank is what made her that way. <laughs> and I, I accept that as headcanon now. So, <laughs> so yeah, I this think little shit almost blew me up. All right. Time for me to become nasty. I hate children now. I, I would too. <laughs> So, yeah, I I do like this episode, and like you like you guys said, it uh, it's gotten it's got an adventure to it, but Bart gets out of the situation in a positive light, and he's basically a hero as a result. So, I, I can't say anything negative about it. I, I can understand why people don't like it, but I won't put it any lower on my list. So. Uh, Dan, what do you, what about you? Because you said it's pretty high on yours. I think it's, shoot, let me look. You think it might be your favorite one? Oh, no, it's not my favorite one. Definitely not, not number one. But it's up there. It's top three this season for me. There you go. Okay. Brian, what about you? Is it in your top three? I don't have an official list, like 1 through 13, but sure, it is definitely but... towards the top because it is such a unique story. And for me, it's just super memorable. I, I think Cause, so, like, yeah. Because, yeah, Bart does get, get put in a pretty lousy situation, but and I wouldn't say he deserves it, but kind of he realizes the error of his way as he redeems himself, and by the end, he comes oh, out and a better he, place. So. He, he like finally runs away, and he sees the cop, and he's just like, wait. He realizes I've he been here French all now. this time and I can't speak French. What the hell is wrong with me? And then he starts putting himself down in French. 
and the cop like, is the wait. most concerned about the antifreeze and the wine, not the fact that they've been using him for slave labor. Yeah, that's the that's the 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 kicker right there. Uh Yeah, I I I like this episode. And if it had a more negative consequence on Bart, I'd probably put it a lot lower, but because he co- turns out on top and actually sabotages these guys' plans and get, comes back healthy, happy, etc. I, uh, I I give it up for that. <laughs> We're going to discuss deportation. You're going to kick Bart out of the country? Uh, maybe that's a little extreme. But Homer and Skinner high five when he agrees to it. Oh yeah, his back is so hurt, but now suddenly it's a miracle. Sounds about right. All right, should we venture into top five territory? Right, number five. Ah, uh, yes, number five. So, this episode is the the worst character portrayal of season one because everybody's opposite of what they're supposed to be. But I'll be damned if this episode isn't hysterical, and that's there's no disgrace like home. So you have Homer as the caring guy who's embarrassed by his family. Marge is an alcoholic who's start scarfing her face in front of the TV dinner. In front of the TV with the TV dinner. Lisa is just being a brat to Bart. Bart's just being Bart. And Homer wants to see this perfect family. And he goes to some pretty extreme measures to get what he wants. The Homer Simpson of today would have never even attempted to pawn off the television set. Never. <laughs> He would rather die. <laughs> yeah, he would rather die. He would rather maybe not eat pork chops and get rid of his precious TV. Yeah, but you know what? I'll I'll be damned if this episode isn't really really funny. Mm-hmm. Especially for the fourth ever episode, they really do a good job with this one. Brian, your thoughts? I, I pretty much agree with you. Like I said, it is interesting to see how the characters are so wildly different from how we know them. But it's it's got so many good moments. I love that. Uh, it's one of the best endings to an episode ever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not the way to get healthy. Wait, you said total family bliss or double my money back. All right, fine. 500. Get out of here. Never come back. So they go and buy the TV back. No, and we're going to get a new TV with two remotes <laughs> and a special tray to wheel it into the dining room on holidays. Uh, that's so great. I know they bond over the TV. Even Marge doesn't want him to get rid of the TV. And next season, she's going to go on a crusade against children's cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I love what this episode tried. And I love how funny it ended up being. I think my favorite joke is the blink and you miss it. Super perfect family from the picnic being in the waiting room of the office when they walk in. Yep. It's like that blink and you miss it moment because there they are and they are mad. Oh, I must have missed it because I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, when they're scrolling through the waiting room, the last family you see before it cuts to the the Simpson knockoff family coming out is actually the happy family from the picnic. Yeah. So they were just much better at faking it. Than <laughs> much Simpsons better before. at faking it, exactly. And I love that Mr. Burns has cheat cards for everybody because... That would be the thing with a big a big place like that. The boss isn't going to know who everybody is, so that you makes sense. I think he probably has a couple hundred employees at least. Oh yeah, yeah, at least for it to run an entire nuclear. And they're power all plant. at his place. Yeah, it's like 
I, I've been to a few big family picnics for corporate family picnics, and you go to the big local park. Yeah, you know where our company outing was Hershey Park. Yeah, they they rented Our out was on Onondaga Lake Park because there's like it's huge. There's so many you could rent out areas for a hundred companies probably, and they would all be fine. So yeah, the Burn Dairy family picnic and stuff like that. Yeah. Speaking of uncharacteristic, Mister Burns ain't never doing that again. And then, all you all need to leave now, and you have like five minutes till I release the hounds. Yes. <laughs> I love yeah, the jello it's... bit too. Oh, some idiot got it out that I like these things. Just put it with the rest, and it's this it's... giant mountain of quivering <laughs> jello. First, they put the babies. <laughs> They put the the young children watching the elves, the happy little elves, and the mothers all just get drunk. Mm-hmm. And Marge is queen of the drunks. I'm not saying I get it, but I get it. <laughs> I mean, I can't relate because I'm not a mother, but I, I get it. I don't imagine if you're attached at the hip and tit all day to a baby. Getting You'll take anything hours. you can get to get a break. Yeah. i said this before. Like... The, the the mothers I know who always gush over their kids and claim that their kids are so perfect and, you know, oh, they're so well-behaved and everything, like, I don't trust any of them. The moms that I see openly, like, not necessarily, like, sh- horribly shame their kids, but are just like, yeah, my kid's being an asshole today. I'm like, I trust would trust you to babysit my kid more than the other one. Just because, the honesty about, because, yeah, raising kids isn't going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, and every every girl I know... Who's a mother now? Like, all of my friends who have kids that are around my age, they all say the same thing. They're like, don't ever trust those mothers who claim that their kids are perfect little angels. Like, the ones who are like, yeah, my kid's an asshole. Like, trust them, because they're the ones that are telling the truth. And those are the moms that I appreciate more when they praise their kids, because I know they mean it. They're not just making shit up or exaggerating the story. They're actually praising their kid, because the other day you're like, my kid is such a little shit. And now they're like, my kid is so friggin' smart. Look what my kid did. And I'm like, I believe that, and I love your kid as a result. Yeah, you can think your kid's an asshole and love them to death. That's not mutually exclusive. I mean, I do that with my cats. I love them <laughs> unconditionally, but they're little assholes. So, you know, that's just the, the way it is, man. That's So, but yeah. Uh, final thoughts on this episode before we move on. Other than, uh, like Dan touched on, that ending scene with the electroshock therapy is, that's a legendary Simpsons moment. One of the best moments in the early couple seasons. I actually think we should talk about that more than Bart chopping the freaking head off the the statue. Like, I know it's it's sort of out there as a legendary moment, but I think it should be the legendary moment from season one. Yeah, this one sticks in my memory far stronger than the the statue thing. Right. So, yeah, I think... uh, I think this is a great episode. It's really funny. Especially when they're trying to find all the... They're looking at all the perfect families. <laughs> One guy pulls a gun on them. And then... Oh, this house is a piece of crap. <laughs> Check it out. I just trampled this idiot's flowers. Homer, this is our house. <laughs> I, I love the way they put that together. Alright. Let's go on. Number four... Okay, so if it wasn't the Crepes of Wrath, it has to be Moaning Lisa. 
Really? Man, I'm bad at this. Okay. Well, if it's in my top three, then we're gonna have we're definitely gonna have an argument about it. <laughs> but okay, so let's talk about Moaning Lisa. Um, where top would this? Three, so. This one's also in your top three. Yep. Okay, Brian. I like it. I wouldn't put it towards the top. It'd be somewhere in the middle. It's okay. good, but not the most memorable. It has one of my favorite lines in the history of anything. Which is? The blues aren't supposed to make you feel better. They're supposed to make everyone else feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good... That's like an inspirational quote right there. Mm-hmm. Do you know my favorite inspirational quote of all time actually came from The Simpsons? It came from Homer. If you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in there every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. Yes, oh. I agree that with that. Be, uh, it would be uh, leaves of four, eat some more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Inspirational quotes via The Simpsons. Father, son, and the Holy Ghost who eats the fastest gets the most. Okay, so the reason this episode is near the top for me is because this is a character-strong episode. And when it comes to Lisa episodes, Dan and I have discussed this in depth on Stupid Sexy Podcast. So to summarize, Dan and I agree that Lisa episodes go one of two ways. They're either really strong episodes or you're just like, God, Lisa's a bitch. That sound about right, Dan? (laughs) Yep. That's basically the basically the long and short of that one. Brian, she's what do you really rela- Yeah, what do you she's either really relatable and sympathetic or she's annoying and preachy and you yeah. want her to go away. That's like I was just about to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on Lisa centric episodes as a whole? And I think you just summed that up. Cause yeah, it's like it's like you guys say, it's one of those situations where it's a strong episode or you're not having a good time, and you're think you're thinking she's overreacting to stuff. Uh, but- this one is definitely her overreacting, but she's not totally in bitch, 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 bitch mode. Yeah, you feel bad for her because he's she's like the one intelligent person in this family of mostly just kind of buffoons. And exactly, she just feels trapped and she can't be heard ever. Well, and you got to compare that to what the B plot is, which is the video game. And mm-hmm. that's what Bart and Homer are going nuts over is who's good at this boxing video game while Lisa's just trying to figure out what her place in, in life is. Being constantly, like, shut down, like, she excels in everywhere, but just this environment she's in, like, in school. Yeah, she has, no encur- and- she has no encouragement. She, she doesn't have that positive parental figure, which is why she's attached to Bleeding Gums Murphy the second she meets him, because he understands her. He's a jazz musician. and They insert, have similar passions. Insert Dan's quote. <laughs> insert Dan's favorite quote right here. And that <laughs> sums it up. So, yeah. And this is the first Lisa-centric episode that they've done. Eventually, they're going to have to establish her as a character anyway. And I think they could have done a lot worse with with what they did. They They show her as the type of character that they really wanted her to be. And... Of all the Simpsons characters of the immediate family, while she's not my favorite, she's the most interesting because she's the most complex. She's the most three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, she's Homer... the saddest girl in grade number two or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Homer, Homer, Marge, and Bart, they've got their character traits, but overall, Homer's, Homer's the dimwit fat guy 
dimwit fat dad. Marge is the stereotypical overprotective, overbearing stay-at-home mom. And Bart's the stereotypical troublemaker who does bad in school and but but can't really fit in at the same time. Those are tropes. Lisa, on the other hand, is way smarter than where she should be, way more advanced, but she lacks the parental figures to really guide her. I mean, Marge tries at times, but we've also seen in other episodes that Marge's dreams have been dashed by her crap household, too. Her mom and her sisters have kind of beaten stuff out of her. And this actually happens quite often in the same episode where... There's the, just smile and everything will be fine. Yep. And she realizes by the end of the episode that that's bullshit. It's terrible and advice it's okay. that her mom gave her. Yeah. If you're if you're sad, you can be sad. It's okay. But it also... We'll be st- still be here when you're finished. But it's the other thing, too. Like, Lisa's teacher, Miss Hoover, doesn't care. She doesn't care about her job at all. She doesn't care about the kid's future. She's just there because she has to be. Her music teacher, Mr. Largo, he's overbearing and he discourages her from having individualism you know yeah music teacher that discourages creativity how how backwards is that how backwards is that exactly so where is she supposed to get where how is she supposed to feel better about stuff where is she supposed to get this inspiration from apparently a homeless jazz musician (laughs) a homeless jazz musician What's what's kind of funny about that, too, is that Marge panics when she finds Lisa with this guy, but then they end up going to see a show anyway, so. And that is a totally valid response Marge has. Like, if you saw your kid talking with a homeless person, of course you'd freak out and get them out of there. Lisa, get away from that jazz man. At least she calls him a jazz man, not a hobo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's positive there. When he, Him and his jazz cigarettes. His jazz cigarettes, yeah. I love when he's actually performing Lisa's song and he gets to the line about Homer. And Homer's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really, really good character episode. And the B-plot's fun. We're gamers. We can appreciate that. Yes, and I would have loved to have to arcade it. to learn how to actually play the game good. Yeah. And I would have g- loved to have had a boxing game that advanced during those days. Oh, that would have yeah. been so fun. The best part is the kid is so good he's still on his original quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which means which means he is just destroying everybody and no yeah, one can keep up. Games are made to you put in more quarters all the time. Right. So everybody he's destroyed everybody. <laughs> I give me a thing of quarters. They're I need them to do laundry. Yeah, sure, pal. Sure, pal. Yeah. Hey. Where's the video boxing? Over there. And if I were you, buddy, I really would use those quarters for laundry. <laughs> the mom giving him a hard time at the end. You sh- a man of your age, you should be ashamed of yourself. Excuse me, I think I hear my wife calling. <laughs> no, I love that. My favorite part is how Lisa's good news interrupts Homer's victory. He's about to do it, and they're like, you're not paying attention, we pulled the plug. <laughs> and then Bart Bart retires like, undefeated. Undefeated. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's so, that's so funny. It just, it just works. But yeah, it's just, this is a good character centric episode and I really like it and I appreciate it. I have heard that this isn't a popular episode so much because of the whole, the whole notion of Lisa and everything. And I can understand that. It's like, 
It's like when Family Guy does Meg-heavy episodes and they make that whole joke about, like, oh, it's a Meg episode, you don't want to watch it. But sometimes they're actually pretty good episodes. Because Meg does have character development, they just turn her into a joke. So... It's one of those situations where you got you got to take the good with the bad because the good Lisa episodes are excellent. Some of the best episodes, like Lisa the Vegetarian. That is one of my favorite Simpsons episodes, period. And it works for for what it was. So Yeah, this one is it's a bit more serious and it's not quite as one-liney and like quippy as probably a lot of people's favorites. Right. So we have three episodes remaining on this list. Apparently one of them is bottom tier for both of you guys. And I'm going to be curious about which one it is. Although I, based on the three that are remaining, I feel like there's two of them you absolutely can't hate. So let's move on and see if this is the one. Dan? Number three. Would the negative episode on your list be Bart the General? Uh, it was me. That's okay. mine as well. Okay. So before I talk about why I like this episode, I'd like to hear why you guys put it near the bottom. Dan, go ahead and start with you. Even the Wikipedia has it wrong. <laughs> but Nelson learns shit. Okay. He doesn't even, it even says it right here. It's like, he turns, like, wait, let me see. Bart and his army attack Nelson and successfully manage him to manage to convince him to give up his bullying way. Maybe like, for that day. Hey, did. I don't know. I think it's rather creepy because he goes to Grandpa and Grandpa takes him to the creepy one-armed Vietnam guy. And yeah. then and then they're up in his the treehouse planted, tree planted the assault. It was just like the parents aren't like that's weird. <laughs> okay, who's the weird guy? It's just a little off-putting. It's it it's fun for the most part, but commence saturation yeah. bombing. Yeah, you got a, a a creepy one-armed gun nut and a literal war veteran planning a battle plan against children. <laughs> okay, no, that's little, uh, I think that's fair, Brian. Why do you put this not- one near the bottom? That, that part isn't really why I put it down lower. It is a fun episode, and it introduces a lot of characters. After this one, I feel like Nelson... I mean, half the time he's still a bully, but other times him and Bart are kind of, like, friends more or less as equals. This They're is kind frenemies. Of, yeah. This is an early episode that shows Nelson as just kind of the terror of the schoolyard that everybody hates. Well, yeah, because when they... When uh, the Marge versus Itchy and Scratchy... He's just like, oh man, sorry to hear about not being able to watch a cheese scratchy, and you know, yeah. But and it, and it is a fun episode. It's just once again, it's not one of the more memorable ones for me. I like when he actually bonds with Millhouse when Millhouse's parents get divorced. He's like, oh, I hear you're gonna you're gonna rip on me. He goes, no, absolutely not. And he like sits down with him and actually talks to him about it because he comes from a broken home. Mm-hmm. So his mom is never there, and his dad left for cigarettes and never came back. No, I think it's Pop-Tarts, actually. <laughs> it was either cigarettes, Pop-Tarts, or milk. They change it. Also, his dad is in many episodes, so let's just yep. let's just ignore the continuity at that, at that range. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so 
Why I actually like this episode and it's in my top three is actually for a lot of the things that Dan said. This episode is so absurd that I have to appreciate it. It's the opposite of Call of the Simpsons. It has the Looney Tunes style humor, but it's still in a more grounded base. Be- and here's why I feel that way. Gra- Bart going to Grandpa actually makes sense because his clearly his parents' advice didn't do anything for him. You know, Marge, he tries to fight Nelson, and he's just like punching he just, a brick wall, and he gets annihilated. Basically, <laughs> so he's going to he actually goes to Grandpa off of Lisa's advice, and Grandpa does exactly what a. a a crazy old cotter would do. Well, let's take my grandson to somebody who knows about war. Here's my... Because he goes to the military antique store and he's friends with the guy that owns it. And the guy that owns it is so friggin' off his rocker with war that he's like, well, if you want to get back at this bully, I'll just... I'll give you advice the only way I know how. We'll plan a war strategy. I love the uh, the ir- irony of the first time he goes to uh, grandpa and he's giving him advice like you got to stand up for yourself and then immediately gets bullied and his newspaper taken away by Jasper. <laughs> yep. I want that crossword puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bart, I can't help you, but I know someone who can. I also love that Homer doesn't recognize his own dad in the treehouse. <laughs> hey, you, the big gray-haired kid. So, I really like Grandpa as a character. He's one of my favorite Simpsons characters. In fact, I would actually say that of the core Simpsons family members, I probably would put him over Marge and even Bart as a character I like. I don't know if I like him more than Lisa and Homer. Definitely not Homer, because Homer's Homer's my my number two favorite fictional character of all time and my number two favorite Simpsons character of all time. And yes, there is a way that that can work, people. Get over it. Mm-hmm. I've had that argument with people before where I said, did you know that Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi is my favorite song of all time, but it's actually not my favorite Bon Jovi song. Most people understand that, but there's always that person I have to explain that to. Now, in the context of songs, it's my favorite song because of everything I love about it. But I feel like he's written a better song, but I can't justifiably put it in front of this one. For anybody curious, that would be It's My Life by Bon Jovi is my favorite Bon Jovi song. Good choice, good choice. I love that song. Everybody dies. It's now or never. I mean, and I agree with you on I agree with you on Grandpa. He's got a lot of depth. He's he's really funny. He's one of the funniest characters. I love like everybody views him as this feeble old man and he's actually much more like cunning than a lot of people give him credit for. He's Dog's fe- dead. Yeah. Dog's dead. Hey, the lamp's running away. (laughs) That's my dog. So long, lamp. Also one of the worst father figures in all of fiction. Oh, God, yeah. Well, those moments when he appreciates Homer as a kid, and then, like, you see how much Homer changes and screws things up for him, he's just like, dag nabbit. But yeah, he's Homer, you're dumb as a mule, twice as ugly. If a strange man asks you to get in the car, I say take it. Remember the advice your father gave you on your wedding day? If you ever travel backwards through time, don't step on anything. I love that that's wedding advice. Oh, God. Grandpa. Yeah, Grandpa Simpson. By the way, there's that big reveal in the episode The Front where his first name is Abraham. But they've established his name as Abraham in some of these earlier episodes. So I don't know why that was such a reveal or maybe they forgot that they 
did took that method, or maybe it's because the kids didn't actually know what his first name was. He also has one of the best lines and truest things in in, in anything is, "I used to be with it, and now it." Oh, yeah, I don't then know. they changed, then what, they it changed was. what it was, <laughs> and, now, and now it scares me. I don't understand it, and it scares me, and it's going to happen to you. And it happens to, and now we're in that age bracket where it's happening to us. Zenials start making new words like yeet, and you're just like, what? What? Yeah, and then you start, you realize that auto tune is the new music craze. You're like, but what about, what about rock and roll? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, that's, that's where we are, everybody. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a, it's reality of life. But yeah, grandpa's a, grandpa is a pretty damn funny character. And his his backstory flesh out is really interesting too. The the Hellfish episode. Yep. Um and just the fact that Herb Powell exists and we'll talk about him when we do the next Chris Ranks of the Universe. Sticking on the Simpsons theme. Well, I don't know if the next Chris Ranks will be a Simpsons theme. I don't I don't plan these guys. I I figure out something I want to talk about, I find people to talk about with me, and then I just do it. That's how this show works. And I just do it when I got the time why it's a sporadic thing but yeah so i really find bart the general to be a very very fun episode but you know i will uh i will understand where your your criticisms come from on this episode i mean it's it's not like criticism yeah yeah so i get my rankings are more or less criticism and just more nostalgia based oh sure and that that that's a big factor for me too but yeah I was actually surprised that this is the one because the two that I guessed it was going to be it wasn't. But <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's a top 3 for me. I I find this to be a very fun episode. And I even like the very end of it when uh Bart gives the the PSA about war and he's like, "If you go to your local library and pick up books about war, there's lots of cool gory pictures in it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also love the uh the whole military montage is great. I think that's part so fun, especially when Herman comes in with a bayonet and just destroys the sand on me. Goes berserk. Oh, it's so great. So, yes, uh, that's why it's in my top three. But I can understand why it wouldn't be in yours. Well, that leaves us to the top two. Our yeah. pen- and one of these is middle for me, and the other one is my top one. There so. you go. Uh, so number two yes for the penultimate entry on this list we go back to what ended up being the pilot episode due to production errors and that is simpsons roasting on an open fire the christmas episode why is this number two on my list two factors one this is still the best christmas themed episode of the simpsons ever they've done other ones that are good this is still the goat when it comes to simpsons christmas episodes and number two, this is a surprisingly fast-paced episode for a first-season episode. A lot of stuff happens, and it moves along at a really brisk pace. I can appreciate that. Where does it fall on your lists, however, Dan? It's uh, somewhere in the middle. But you still like it? Yeah. Okay. Brian? I still really like this one. It's near the top for me because even though it wasn't the intended pilot, it's the pilot we got, and it establishes so much in the Simpsons universe. It is the only episode of The Simpsons to take place in the 1980s. 
And by when take I was place, I mean six when months old. Oh, oh, well, I mean, I don't feel so bad. I wasn't even in kindergarten yet, so. Um, the... I was seven. <laughs> well, goddamn, son. I, I turned just... seven two days before it aired, but. <laughs> yeah, December 17th. And you're you're yeah. a December fifteener, so yeah. My dad's twenty seventh birthday was in the Simpsons third. I'm a May birthday. Uh, Santa's little helper is really all I have to say. This episode is funny, and it's got a lot of heart. It's the perfect balance of what the Simpsons would end up being in their best episodes. Because their best episodes are either really good drama with great comedy bits. Or just outrageously funny. Especially when it's humor surrounding some a, a darker tone. Like Cape Fear, for example. Bart, uh, Someone trying to murder Bart. And it's one of the funniest episodes of the entire series. If you, when, Once you hit those prospects there in the... That episode the still writing. has parts where I will become lightheaded laughing. Yes. The rake scene kills me every time. 100% of the time, no matter how many times I see it. I can't. I can't and stop. It's been twenty five years, and <laughs> there are yeah, there are parts of that episode that kill me. We'll get we'll get to that one down the line. So, but yeah, the uh, this episode is a good heart heartfelt episode because it's yes, it's a trope that's done so many times before, wanting to give the family the perfect Christmas. But how can not you... getting your Christmas bonus? I mean, there's one of my favorite movies of all time follows 90% of the premise of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> my all time favorite Christmas movie and top 10 favorite movies of all time is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And yup, the whole thing is also sets things up where Homer really cares and loves his family. Yeah. And he's doing everything possible to give his family the perfect Christmas. Without, I mean, with the lack of the bonus and then the fact that Bart screws up and they have to get his tattoo removed. That he risks getting shot to get a Christmas tree. Yup. <laughs> Why is there a birdhouse in it? Uh, it's an ornament. Do I smell gunpowder? I love when the sisters first call. It's like, who is this? I speak to Marge. This is our sister, isn't it? Marge, please. Marge, please. <laughs> That's your Doesn't sister. even want to give him the time of day. I know. I call him the gruesome twosome. <laughs> so the truth Solid comes it. out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a it's a funny episode. Plus, I love. I still laugh really hard at the uh, Homer botching the words to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph, get your nose over here so you can guide my sleigh today. <laughs> I love that Bart throwing in all the lines, too. Because we all did that as kids. He threw in the extra lines for Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Reindeer games like strip poker. We always said Monopoly, Bart. Jesus. I don't think I knew what strip poker was when I was 10 years old. Mm. So just saying. But yeah, this is this is a great episode. It's funny. It's got heart. I mean, the whole thing is great. The, the elementary school pageant. Then the mall, the mall scene. Uh, I love how everybody stops working when the announcement comes on. And they're all just chewing donuts. Then, of course, Homer doing the, all the mall Santa stuff. One of my favorite j- oh, quick jokes in all of season one happens here. When Homer comes back and he goes, ho, ho, don't, hits his head and just go, damn it to hell, while he's grabbing his head in pain. <laughs> in front of all the kids. 
But I'm just saying, sometimes trust what your friend tells you to do. You should have bet on Whirlwind. It happened to Charlie Brown. It happened to Tiny Tim. It happened to the Smurfs, and it's going to happen to us. Who's Tiny Tim? So, yeah. Good episode, though. Great episode. And honestly, of all the Christmas-themed episodes the show has done, can you think of one they did better than this one? I'm not even thinking of any Christmas yeah. episodes. Well, you Maybe know, they... not better, but the one where uh, Bart sneaks down to get his present early and ends up lighting the tree on fire. Oh, yeah, there's that one. Um, Bart steals the video game. Yep. Gets caught shoplifting. There's uh, there's the Funzos, when Homer has to act like the Grinch and steal all the Funzos on Christmas that Eve. One. That's a pretty good one. I mean, I love the episode when they get snowed into the school because that episode is hysterical. But it is... It's a Christmas vacation episode, but it's not really a Christmas episode. And did you know that Days of Future Future, the Christmas episode in the future that's got Bart's girlfriend, Jenda, voiced by Amy Poehler, and he's got the two kids, and it establishes all the characters' futures. Lisa marries Milhouse, and they have a daughter and everything. That was actually intended to be the series finale. What a great way to bookend the series with another Christmas special. Guess what didn't happen, guys? <laughs> what year did that one come out? When did they intend to fully end it? I will actually look that up for you right now. Days of Future Future... Was 25th season. So yep. then 2014 or 2015? Seven years ago. 2014. Yep. April 13th, 2014. I stopped watching around probably around 2008 or so. So, Do you ever see the list of actresses who voiced girls that were love interests for Bart? Amy Poehler, um, Meryl Streep, Sarah Michelle Gellar, um... Oh, God. Who does the voice of Wolfcastle's daughter? I'm blanking on that one now. I th That was uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy which actresses came in to be love interests for Bart. I'll never wash this hand again. <laughs> uh, yes, Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert was one, too, yeah. Now my shirt is chafing me. <laughs> we will talk about that sooner than later. Yeah, but this is a great episode. And this used to be, I used to think that this was one of my favorite. I used to say this was my favorite season one episode until I really gave it some more thought. But there's absolutely no denying what my favorite episode of season one is. Dan, if you would Number please. one, in case you didn't notice. It's Krusty Gets Busted. <laughs> Where does this episode rank on your lists? Number this one. Is, yep, this is my favorite as well. So we are all in agreement that this is the best episode of season one. Unsurprisingly. IMDB agrees with us. This episode has an 8.4. In fact, only the Christmas episode and Bart the General got an 8 or higher for rankings in season one. Nope, this, everybody agrees so, that this uh, is... The IMTV people agree with Christopher. I guess they do. But, Sideshow Bob is my favorite Simpsons character. I love Sideshow Bob episodes. Newer seasons, 
If nothing else, once I hear it has a Sideshow Bob episode, I watch that episode every time. It's German. It means the, Bob, the. There are two things with The Simpsons that will guarantee I'm going to view it. Treehouse of Horror and Sideshow Bob. Every single time, without fail. And that's the one thing I can say about newer Simpsons episodes. If Sideshow Bob has been in it or it was a Halloween-themed episode, I have seen it. Even all the way up to this current season. So, Krusty Gets Busted is the debut, of course, of Sideshow Bob, which we talked about. No, I mean, he was physically seen before, but we don't hear his first speaking. This is the first character establishment of him. And he's literally brought in to be an evil foil character in this series. And he is the best villain on The Simpsons. Mr. Burns might be a more common character. But Sideshow Bob is the best villain. Burns is an evil genius. In just an evil, like, he's just a... Burns is basically just a capitalist billionaire. That's really all he is. He's he's an everyday... He's an evil industrialist. Sideshow Bob, however, is mentally unstable, but he's also a brilliant man. A well-educated man. That makes him more dangerous. That's why I always said that Hannibal Lecter is one of the best film villains ever made. Because he's a he's brilliant in, person. He's in 16 minutes of that movie. Yeah, and it's the best 16 minutes of the movie! <laughs> it's a two-hour movie! <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because he's a scene-stealer. Psychological villains are always scarier because with a monster or a slasher villain, they get you and they're going to chop you up. A psychological villain always leave you guessing. You never They'll know torture you. Yeah. Like, Freddy Krueger will kill you in your sleep. But... Hannibal but, Lecter could actually exist. Buffalo Bill, I mean, he, would, he was keeping the girls in a pit. That was torture was shit. Great Kidding. big fat... So... Everybody pretty much that has ever seen The Simpsons is familiar with Sideshow Bob and the brilliance of Sideshow Bob. But just to to recap for those who may not have done what Brian did before listening to this episode. Sideshow Bob dresses like Krusty the Clown and imitates him. So he can rob the Quickie Mart, frame him for armed robbery, and get him put away so he can take over the show. Because he was tired of being a second banana. He was tired of the side whistle, being shot out of a cannon, everything else. And until he actually got caught, he probably would have been a great addition to that show. Because he was he was actually there to care about the kids and educate them. He just and needed to get rid of... We're still watching and kids are still in the audience. Oh yeah, it's not like it's not like he destroyed the reputation of the show or anything. But what I love about this is it's a mystery-themed episode... All the clues are planted there initially, and then as they unravel them later on, you start learning the truth, and you realize how brilliant the episode actually is. Including when Homer accidentally steps on his shoe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just little throwaway moments that you don't think about until later you get more information and realize how significant they are. When he sees him in a prison jumpsuit, and you know, his face is so flesh-colored and sad, his feet are so tiny... And then, you know, he's using the microwave. Well, he's got a pacemaker. He shouldn't be using it. Okay. And when well, Bart's confronting him on stage, he actually has a really good counterpoint to all the evidence. Well, you, until he gets to the shoe thing. The shoe is where it gets him. Yeah. I've got some it's, big it's, shoes it's, to it's fill. A, it's a classic um, 
technique used in shows like On Order is to get them to start bragging, and then they accidentally out themselves. As, as far as, as I... Yeah, as far as I know about, like, detective work and everything, that's actually a, a thing that works. That's like a mental a mental trickery thing that actually works. Get them overly confident, and then they'll accidentally let something slip that they shouldn't or, know unless they were the one who did it. Keep putting over the victim right. until they get fed up and we're like, no, he was an awful person, and I'm glad I killed him. Oh, shit. Purposefully get details of it wrong, so to try to catch them to correct you. Yep. I mean, that's a that's been done before too. Didn't say it happened at night. Dun dun dun. <laughs> dun dun. Got to get the sound effect. The Law and Order. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Law and Order. The meme where it's just a bunch of crows in the courtroom. So here's why this is my favorite episode. Then you guys can say why it's yours too. But the reason I picked it, it's the best written episode of season one. It's a standout because it is a well put together mystery and it's got really good jokes in it. And for that reason alone, it's my favorite episode. Yes, it's Sideshow Bob and everything, but that is also why it's so well written because that's such an easy character to write for. And they've already established him early on. Like, by the second episode, you've already established he's smart, he's he's a conservative who feels out of place in an ever-growing liberal society, and he he's obsessed with maniacal plans, but he likes to he tries to do these deep these deep seated plots until he gets foiled twice by the same kid, and then he just says he's just like outright going to kill him. So, I, how can you not just go... How can you not love that character, Sideshow Bob? Because he's so brilliantly written. And also again... three words. Kelsey <laughs> fucking Grammar. Right? Yes. Kelsey Grammar is the perfect choice. Like, yes. It wouldn't surprise me to learn that more than half of his lines are ad-libbed because he owns the character so well. He's even said that it was Sideshow Bob was supposed to be a one-off thing, but Kelsey Grammer loved doing it so much, he actually said, I want to come back and do this more so they would write in more Sideshow Bob stories down the line. And, you know, no disrespect to Phil Hartman, but Kelsey Grammer is the best Simpsons guest star of all time. I'd put Phil Hartman you, number two. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he's up. He's, I, I would say Kelsey Grammer, number one, Phil Hartman, number two, and then number three would be Albert Brooks. Number four, probably John Lovitz. It stinks. It stinks. Yes, Mr. Sherman. Everything stinks. Yes, Mr. Sherman. Ah, uh, the critic. You know, I should do a Chris Ranks for that show. Where we go back and rewatch that, and that could be a lot of fun to do. But yeah. Okay, so I've established why it's my favorite episode. Dan, what what specifically put this at number one for you? It, well, Jesse Kramer. Doing so great. And again, like you said... Uh, they put up a mystery, and it actually lines up and works correctly. Because even I've tried to write a mini mystery before, and you just go, "Fuck it." The guy has fake red hair, and there's only one person that has fake red hair. Congratulations, you did it. Right. Right. 
Okay. Brian? Pretty much the same thing with what you were saying. It's so well written. It's a really good mystery. And like Dan said, it's very hard to write a convincing mystery that doesn't just feel like you're shooting an arrow and then painting a bullseye around it afterwards. It's got a lot of really good jokes. It, once again, establishes a lot of like future canon in the Simpsons episode. Kelsey Grammer, Sideshow Bob, is one of the best side characters in the whole series. It also shows that when Bart cares about something, when he's passionate about something, he's not stupid. He's actually very smart. Right, exactly. And I mean, yeah, he does go to Lisa for help. But he's the one that actually figures it out in the end. I mean, Lisa's got... Lisa gives up. She's like, face it, Bart. Like, I think you're just overreacting to everything here. Yeah. Well, and then, like, like you said, every... He wants to talk to Sideshow Bob, and Lisa. Lisa's already enjoying the difference in the sh- in the quality of the show. Well, yeah, because Bob appeals to more her sensibilities. And in fact, Bart only really confronts him on stage. It's not like Lisa gives in or anything. It's just that she's in the audience when it happens, and then Bart actually pieces it together, like he mentions. Well, Krusty's using the microwave. Well, when was Krusty ever one to take doctor's advice? Well, that's true. But he's reading this magazine. Well, Bart, you don't have to be able to read the magazine to appreciate what's in it. Look at all these funny cartoons. You know? And then, but I also love, I love Chief Wiggum's half-assed apology. <laughs> Krusty's uh, just mad do it about again. It. Yeah, uh, I won't do it again. <laughs> but you I love... not, you dimwit. I absolutely love how Bart's like, you know, one little boy never lost his mistrust. Or never lost his trust. And then mistrust is the, the turnaround line when he confronts Sideshow Bob the second time. Bart saves Selma's life because he just wouldn't trust Sideshow Bob. He knew something was up. And also, can we talk about the fact that this whole ordeal was probably a, a big like net gain for Krusty? Because think, they burned all of his merchandise in the town square. Well, they're going to have yeah, to buy more buy merchandise. All that merchandise. Oh, yeah. Now, remember, everyone, these are children's toys, so the fire will spread very fast. <laughs> this, I mean, this episode's also funny as hell. And it's the first episode <clears throat> to feature Kent Brockman. Yes, good old Kent Brockman. I also love, because I just went into some of the uh, some of the quotes on IMDb, and they always list it by what's got the highest rated stuff. And one of the highest rated quotes is another one of my favorite lines. Hand over all your money in a paper bag. Yes, yes, I know the procedure for armed robbery. I do work in a convenience store. And I always thought that that was really funny, too. It's <laughs> just a couple kids come in. He's like, careful, I'm watching you. I am armed to the teeth. <laughs> yeah, you know, he ducks behind the counter. <laughs> Krusty, how do you plead? Guilty, your honor. Whispers. Oh, I mean not guilty. Opening night jitters, your honor. We in the jury find the defendant guilty. Oh man, this happens every time. Yeah. <laughs> is is it a, a crime to be illiterate? Well, no. Is it a crime to? Well, yes, it is. It's sports gambling. A crime. Oh, yeah, sports it gambling a crime. crime. Oops. Oh, oops. <laughs> yeah, it's when you can get a store, an episode with a good story, and make it really funny at the same time. Those end up being some of the best episodes. And 
and really and so intelligently like, written and yeah exactly that's another reason why i absolutely love who shot mr burns because the episode itself is written brilliantly and sets up so many people as the potential shooter that what <clears throat> everybody was like it's either smithers or homer and i'm like nah it's got to be somebody else i mean i didn't and they figure pull out something out of absolutely nowhere and by so, the end they make it make sense and believable they did a contest for whoever could pick it and then they would be like anybody that got it right you put it in a secondary thing and then they would pick who won like the grand prize no one no not a single entry said maggie simpson right so they had to do just a random drawing and the woman who won wasn't even a Simpsons fan and did not cash in on the ability to be a background character in an episode. Yep. Aw. Gotta love that wasted <laughs> opportunity. It's like the, the family that won the In Your House house, and then they sold it anyway. They sold it, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's how some of these things work, but it is what it is. This but is yeah. not as bad as like the guy in the wheelchair winning a treadmill on the prices, right? That was funny. That was so funny. And they had to like apologize. Like, well, we don't pre-screen these prizes. Like, oh, I, I can get that, but still. That was just bad timing. Well, I mean, I know that like I always heard that prices right winners are always surrounded as they leave because most people who are on the prices right are in LA on a vacation and they're not bringing a boat back home. Yep. <laughs> right, yeah, they got to figure out not so, only how to get their prizes back home with them, but also they got to pay taxes on it. So there's literally, like, dozens of people just outside the studio willing to buy what you want on the show. Yep. And at that point, I probably would sell it to them. Well, I can't afford the taxes on this damn boat, and I really don't want a boat. You want a boat? Yeah. Go ahead. Take it. Well, I live in Wyoming. What am I going to do with a boat? It's... <laughs> Yeah, what am I going to do with a damn boat? Well, at least for you, Brian, you could take it out on that big old Great Lake of yours. Mm-hmm. Or well, any parents of the live, like, within sight of Lake Superior, so. Yeah. Well, I unfortunately do not live very close to the... I actually... Actually, yeah, I probably do live closer to the Jersey Shore now in, in Lancaster than I ever did in North Jersey, just because of how the state's laid out, but still... But yeah, I live near a, a really nice lake that's man-made, though. <laughs> but it's real nice, though. It's all that and matters. Minnesota is the land of ten thousand lakes, but it's actually more like fifteen thousand if you really count them. Well, and and in many ways, there many of them are interconnected. And if you really wanted to break things down, there's like ten lakes, or one lake is being counted as ten lakes. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's true. <laughs> All trains lead to the ocean. Oh, well, I'm in, uh, the, I'll lead to the Mississippi in that case. <laughs> exactly. I cross the Mississippi every day going to work and back. Yeah. There you go. All right, guys. That establishes it. That was my ranking. So basically, there were only really two episodes on there that you guys would have swapped heavily. My list compared to yours. But really... uh it sounds like we were generally on the same page there. So what I'd like to know, of course, now is where would you guys rank the first season of The Simpsons? Would it be the best episode as Krusty gets busted? 
Or is there one that you think was better and you would want to challenge me on that? This is your time to head to the comments and let me know. Now, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing for future Chris Franks the Universes, but I want to do this style show for all the TV shows that I love. And on that agenda includes some of my all-time favorite TV shows, many of which I've already mentioned. But gentlemen, if you would like to join me for future Simpsons rankings, you know, kind of like how I did the Disney stuff, I had the same crew for Mandalorian, I had the same crew. So if you guys would like to become the official rankers for the Simpsons, when I decide to tackle that second season, I'll come calling and we'll see if we can make that work out. Brian, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Happy to be here. And Dan, as always, a pleasure being this guy I've been podcasting for over eight years now. We ain't stopping anytime soon. Just past our anniversary yeah. a few weeks ago. Have no fear. We've got podcasts for years. And any and all hate mail you can send to punchmeintheface at AOL.com. Oh, now it's, now it's AOL.com. That was that punch that face. No, you know, you know what happened? He signed up for it while we were recording, and now it's an actual email address that you can email them. Ah. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps up this edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. Simpsons Season 2, as well as other stuff coming. Uh, future lists also include Pixar and the MCU. And if you have a topic you'd like me to tackle, go ahead and submit that to me. And check out all the other great shows on CKCC Radio, CKCCRadio.com, or Podbean, CKCCRadio.Podbean.com to download directly, or go to any of the places where you find your favorite podcasts and search for us. We are on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you once again, gentlemen. Any final words before I wrap this up? Nope, I had fun. Thanks for having me on. And Dan, final words? Thanks for going out of your way to invite me on the podcast. Of course. Thank will... you for being a friend. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll do that someday. That'll be hard, actually. Yeah, Chris has done one show without me, and then three months later I was on that show as a regular person. So. Yep, and you really wanted <laughs> to join that show, too, so yeah. Yeah, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys down the line. Whenever Take... we eventually get Dan to watch Game of Thrones. Yes. It's on the list on HBO Max. There you go. Now that'll That's going to be a, a fun Chris Ranks the Universe doing those seasons. Because there's they're short lists, but they're, there's a lot to oh, discuss. Oh, yeah. That might have to be a multi-part episode if you ever do that one. <clears throat> well, we'll see. I mean, this, this is clocking in around the two-hour mark, so... The next season of The Simpsons might have to be a two-parter, but we'll see. But when will the next Chris Ranks Universe drop? I don't know. To quote Lex Luger, I don't know. So you'll just have to tune in, subscribe Did to find Chris out. Chris even afford to pay me? <laughs> the answer is no. See you guys next time. Bye.